0: What up, world? Welcome back to another Locked on Blazers. I am your host, Mike Richmond of NBC Sports and the world at large. It is still the All-Star break, so I'm flying solo for this episode. Uh, it's Wednesday morning. The Blazers do not play again until Thursday, so uh, they'll come out of the second half of the season against starting the second half of the season, final 25 games of the season against the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday. We'll talk about that game and uh, the Blazers' daunting second half schedule a little bit later in the program, but I want to start off today talking about the uh, news, non-news of the day, uh, or at least the uh, the biggest Blazer headlines of the week, and that is that Damian Lillard has has uh, reiterated his sort of. Uh, call to be loyal to Portland. He's he's. This is something that has sort of stuck with him, and I'll talk about sort of how, how many times we've heard him say something like this, but uh, let me read you a quote. Lillard sat down with Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports to do uh, a podcast. It's like a video-recorded podcast, so you can even watch him say these words if you so choose. It is available on the internet, but uh, this is the quote that is sort of making the rounds that, uh, that Lillard told Haynes, and I'm going to read it to you now. I know in my heart I want to win a championship, but it's more important to me to know that me and Chief, we're really friends. Me and CJ, we're really friends. I do want to win a championship, but there's other stuff that means more to me. It's almost like I'm not willing to sell myself out for championships. Now, this is a noble, a noble feeling, a, no, a noble sentiment that Lillard has shared with Haynes. Um, I... I I think there's, in sort of the modern NBA, there is something special about uh, a star player saying that sort of his locale, and the to steal a cliche, to talk about cliches, the name on the front of his jersey is is more important to him, and he wants to sort of do it for the city and do it for the franchise, and, uh, you know, views himself as sort of a one- a one-team player for his career. But this isn't new. There's nothing new about this from Dame. He's he's probably reiterated something like this maybe four or five times since LaMarcus Aldridge left. Um, in 2016, uh, when I worked for the Oregonian, I wrote a story that set, titled, From AAU to the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard's basketball life has been defined by loyalty. Um, th- uh, in this story, this is, again, this is... Uh, this is from, well, they don't have, uh, it's it's from 2016, regardless. <laughs> I wrote this in the second half of, it's the All Star break in 2016, uh, February of now three years ago. And, uh, in this story, there's a, I, I wrote a graph saying that Lords has pledged a lifetime commitment to the Blazers, responding to an innocuous question after he scored 40 points against Golden State, and reaffirmed his le- allegiance to Terry Stotts, saying, as long as I'm here, I'd like him to be here. Now, I'm not saying that um, this sort of interview with Haynes wasn't enlightening or uh, gave you some sort of insight to, uh, you know, what what makes Lillard tick, what makes him go, why he might be quote-unquote different from other stars. But this is a new, this is a new news. If you've been playing, paying attention to Damian Lillard, his sort of like obsession with doing things the right way and and perhaps sacrificing a championship to be loyal to his people is kind of his brand. Um, I think it's, I think it's worth noting that he goes on the record and says things like, uh, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote for the podcast. I have a transcription here. So um, even though it's hard, I don't take my position for granted. I think it could be worse. I could be in a worse situation where I'm not valued the way I am, where I'm not in the position to have the type of individual success I've had. And also each year as I've gotten older, I've started to appreciate the other stuff. Obviously, we all play to win a championship. I compete to win a championship, but I've learned it's about so many other things, the relationship, the impact you have on other people's lives and their lives, and the impact you can have in their careers. So I, I think, um, I, to me, this is news because it, it is Lillard now three years removed. When when I wrote that story in 2016, there was some value in Dame saying, I'm loyal to this team. I want to be here forever. LaMarcus Aldridge had just left in free agency. It was his group uh, he was entering the beginning of a five-year maximum contract. There were so many reasons why being loyal was a, was an important sort of part of his branding then. For, her t- for him to reissue it now, um, to, to, to lean back into these claims in light of uh, Kawhi Leonard sitting out an entire season and facilitating a trade, uh, Anthony Davis demanding a trade, Jimmy Butler demanding a trade, you, you know, you've, we've seen it for sort of star players um, Players at or above Dame's level certainly have have, you know, are now working their way out of situations they see to be uh, untoward, and and Lillard is going the opposite direction. So I think it's significant just for, simply because of that. Simply because when when other NBA players are demanding their way out, Lillard is is, you know, treading his heels and he's he's being stubbornly loyal, as as is his sort of trait that he's carried for for all of his basketball life. Um, in that story, I wrote about uh, sort of why he committed to Weber State, and it was basically because no other teams recruited him early on. And then once he committed to Weber State, a bunch of Pac-12 teams, including Washington State, very aggressively sort of came after him. And he said, no way, we, I, you know, I've already made my commitment. I don't do that. Uh, in uh, As an AAU player, he he played for sort of the, um, the not-as-fancy AAU team in Oakland. And then when the other Oakland AAU team... AAU team came to recruit him once he kind of got good he said no I'm these are my guys I stay with them so this is sort of a trait um that has has absolutely followed him and I think what the Haynes interview suggests is that it's as authentic as it seemed in 2016 uh he wants everyone to know that it's authentic now and and he's using a big word. He's using sacrifice and championships if they don't win a championship. And I think why he's saying that sort of now is because when you look at the Western Conference landscape, the Blazers feel a long way away from, say, the three-time champion Golden State Warriors, soon-to-be four-time champion. Sorry for the spoilers in June. but um, it's So there is some extent it makes sense to even do it now because... There's only so many places he could go that would drastically increase uh, his championship odds in the Western Conference. Now, in 2021, if Damian Lillard re-ups with the Blazers, I think that says a lot more about his loyalty and blah 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 than than putting that out there now because I think he wants to win. Uh, I, 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 you know, I think that there's some nice sentiment in uh, in saying what he's saying and I, I, I do believe him he's mostly honest even when he says corny things he's mostly being honest It's what, one of the things I really respect about Dave but you know there's there'll be a time when he gets to make a decision as a free agent who spent nine years in Portland uh, and that'll tell you as much about his loyalty as any podcast he does so I guess listen to the podcast uh, it's an interesting interview but this is a new news and it's not even big news well uh, I guess the the sort of bigger news is is the blazers heading into uh, heading into the last 25 games um, and and where they finish in the playoffs uh, in the next segment I want to talk about something that someone asked me on Twitter uh, is the are the blazers when they talk about making noise in the playoffs are they looking in the wrong direction should they be looking behind them as opposed to ahead of them before we get into that, though, I want to encourage you guys to check out some other Locked On podcasts on the network. The Blazers play the Brooklyn Nets. It'd be a great time to ch- check out Locked On Nets. Uh, they also have upcoming games against the against the Sixers, Cavs, and Celtics. It'd be a great time to check out any of those podcasts. Uh, the network is filled with great shows, and I encourage you to look at it. All right, let's, uh, let's get in a little bit to, uh, I think interesting to me, if nothing else. So, uh, I wrote a story this week for NBC Sports, uh, about how the Blazers are, understand that sort of the fate of this team will be decided by what happens in the playoffs. And, um, I think that's pretty fair. I, um, I, I, this, they've had enough regular season success, you know, a 49 win season, um, and last year's obviously ending with a sweep. They they get it. This season, they win 52 games this year. It doesn't really matter if they flame out again in the playoffs. But uh, an interesting, an interesting thing happened when I wrote that story. I posted it, and uh, I'm, I'm using this tweet without his consent. But I don't think uh, Thomas Tolan will mad at, at Thomas Tolan will be mad at Thomas Tolan on Twitter said. Um, The Blazers are just a few games out of not making the playoffs, and they have more road games than all teams, and a brutal stretch this week. Shouldn't they be concerned about right now, as opposed to the playoffs? And well, Thomas, I would agree. The Blazers uh, probably have a, in many ways, a season-defining road trip coming out of the All-Star break. Seven games, like I mentioned, I've mentioned a couple times, starting with Brooklyn, and then they're at Philly, at Cleveland, at Boston at Toronto, um, and then Charlotte and Memphis to close out the trip. Obviously, the trip eases up a little bit, but game six and seven on the road after you've been on the road for two weeks is a long, long time. Um, And I think the concern is legitimate that that this stretch, particularly against these playoff-level teams in the East – could define, could could put the Blazers in a position where they're no longer talking about home court advantage and, you know, being 2-3-4 in the West, but uh, on the edge of the playoffs and uh, thinking about just making the playoffs. But uh, to, to address the first part, the point of the story I wrote was more that... Um, the Blazers know that they'll be defined by their lack of accomplishments if they don't make noise in the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, that falls under the same banner as not making noise. So that would be the same issue. Um, however, are the Blazers in trouble of not making the playoffs? I think they're in trouble of slipping to, you know, sixth or seventh if things go wrong on this road trip, just because they have so many road games after the break. Um, you know, 16 on the road, nine at home. And they haven't, they're not a good uh road team at this point and they they play a fairly difficult schedule but according to the nerds that track these types of things the trailblazers according to 538 and i say nerds lovingly as a uh, self-proclaimed nerd your friendly neighborhood basketball nerd um you know i i i um nerd is a term of endearment but the nerds my people at 538.com uh they do mba project they do projections and of all types of things uh but including the NBA playoffs, and they, they give the Blazers a 98% chance of making the playoffs and project them to finish at 48-34, and 34, which would put them, by my quick math, 5th in the West, which, in my opinion, is probably pretty fair. 5th in the West, 48 wins, with, considering their second half of the season. I'd probably tend to agree with my good people at 538. But they're not the only people that do projections. <laughs> At ESPN, uh, they also project the, project the Blazers to go forty-eight and thirty-four, and they give them a ninety-nine percent chance to make the playoffs. So, while I do think uh, this this stretch, particularly. Uh, Brooklyn, Philly, Toronto, Boston, you know, playing good good teams in the east will give you a sense of sort of where the Blazers belong, where they fall uh, in that in the sort of competitive balance of the league. Uh, I don't think they're in true danger of missing the playoffs. I have a really good friend who is a uh, who I don't think he listens to the pod, but I'll give him a shout out anyways. Uh, Michael Miller who who is convinced that the Blazers are in trouble of making the playoffs. And these playoff um, Percentages, There's 99%, 98% percentages have yet to convince him because he's just looking at the schedule and doesn't see enough wins for this team. Um, so I, I think this is a playoff team. I think they're probably. I think they're likely to finish fourth or fifth. The Utah Jazz have about as easy a schedule in the second half of the season after having a brutal one to begin the year, so I think they could probably make a pretty big climb and end up fourth. I think Golden State, Denver, and OKC are good. I think those are your top three teams in the West, and they're going to stay there. Um, whether Houston can get right, whether Harden can can continue on this streak, or whether they can just get more out of Chris Paul, who suddenly looks old, um, I think— I think will determine a lot of where the Blazers end up. But that back half of the West just isn't as good as Portland is right now. San Antonio was a regular season uh, whiz, but they basically have two NBA starters and then a bunch of weird role players that just get things done. They can't get healthy. You know, if Derek White is healthy, they're a little bit better. But even then, um, they have some obvious limitations. They're just not a good defensive team for the first time in literally two decades. The Clippers, they even have some incentive to miss the playoffs and keep a— and keep their lottery pick, uh, although I don't think they'll be playing for that. They don't have a huge incentive to make a late-season push, and they've offloaded some of their good players. Sacramento is a team that I think the playoffs really matter to them, but they're eyeing that eighth seed. Uh, and obviously, the uh, at some point, you'd think that LeBron James and the Lakers are going to get right. Um, or maybe you are on the other camp, and you think that LeBron James and the Lakers will never get right. Um, and that they're just destined to be that sort of nine seed. So I think one of the things working the Blazers' in favor, despite um, despite a brutal schedule that could drop them further in the standings, is that the bottom half of the Western Conference just isn't that good, or at least they're just not. Um, there's not teams that you see in there that are going to make big charges and sort of catch up with the Blazers. Uh, I guess it is important to note that looking at the standings, Portland is closer to 11th place than first place, but they're not going to win the West. I don't think that's in, I don't think that's in the conversation or should be in consideration. They are a team that should try desperately to get home court advantage because if they end up without it, uh, that's going to be that's going to be troublesome. They're just, like I said, they're not a good road team. You want it. They want home games. It didn't work for them last year in the playoffs, but I think it could work for them this year. Uh, they've got to end up three or four, I think, to have a real shot at, at, at being a, a playoff team, which they have being a real sort of competitive playoff team, being a team that plays uh, a second series in the playoffs. I think they got to finish three or four in the West to make it happen. Uh, we're going to come back for a uh, final segment of the day and talk about the Blazers game against the Nets on Thursday and what Ennis Cantor will look like the first time he dons that double zero for the black and red. Welcome back. Still Mike Richmond. This is still locked on Blazers. Blazers on Thursday begin their stretch run of the season at Brooklyn. Uh, A Nets team that is, if it wasn't for the Kings, we would call them the surprise of the league. Actually, I think if they, if people had more respect for the Eastern conference, um, people would call the Nets the surprise of the league. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. They shoot an incredible number of three-pointers. Um, they can, they can score, they play fast. They want to, they, they want to run up the score and they've got a ton of ex-blazers on the roster, which is pretty exciting. If you're into, uh, (laughs) Shabazz Napier, Alan Grab, and Ed Davis, um, I know the world is into Ed Davis, and Ed Davis has recently said in an interview that he circled this one on the calendar as an important win. Um, I always think it's fun when a player of Ed Davis's ilk and skill set says that they want to make sure they win this game. Um, Ed is a sort of hustle player who does... Tangible and intangible things to help teams win, but he doesn't go out and get buckets, which to me seems like the most important thing um, when you really want to uh, set the tone. Also, maybe playing more than 19 minutes a night, but whatever. I love Ed Davis. He's as he's as real as they get, um, and I think it's hilarious that he openly says things like "I really want to beat my former team." That is um, a reporter's dream. So I'm not knocking him, um, but I, I think this um, I think this game is basically a toss-up. The Nets. The Nets have a lot of they have a lot of sort of like flat talent is what I would call it um, that they, they might not have sort of that obvious star although I think D'Angelo Russell gets credit for it um, I'm not 100% sure I agree that he's even their best point guard but you know they have seven or eight guys who all can um, be a problem Uh, Karis Levert, healthy, obviously is a really, really good player. I think I've called him the best player that nobody knows about. Um, but, uh, he, he's a really good, a crafty guard who has a lot to his game. Um, Joe Harris, obviously one of the best shooters in the NBA, uh, Jared Allen, a fun young center, although not a great defender, he will do things like block a bunch of shots at the rim. And then of course the Blazers are fans are familiar with crab Napier and Ed Davis, uh, the sort of. Portland to Brooklyn pipeline, which is a natural route that hipsters and f- former Blazer role players had. Uh, I-, I think this game, uh, interesting tone setter for the trip because I think it's I, I think these two teams are pretty even. Um, Blazers are probably a little bit better than the Nets, but on the road, I think these teams are pretty even. In Barclays, the Nets are, have been a little bit better. Um, th- this is a uh, this is going to be a fast paced, high scoring game. Expect- I probably expect a game in the the one teens, maybe one twenties. Uh, so an, an entertaining one to start the break and a good test for the Blazers. Can they sort of control a uh, a high-powered offense or at least a fast-moving offense? It's also going to be an interesting one to watch because it is the first test we get to see of what the new rotation looks like. Ennis Kanter is going to play. He's going to play 20 minutes off the bench as, well, maybe even more, but I would say around 20 minutes off the bench as the backup center. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic has been playing in that uh, the low 30s. So low, high twenties, low thirties. Recently, um, he's obviously lost uh, some minutes just to sort of the randomness of the rotation as Terry Stotts tries to figure out how to fit eleven and now twelve players into that group. But N. S. Kanter is going to play, and that means I don't think Myers Leonard gets up off the bench. I would be surprised if Zach Collins plays meaningful minutes. I would expect him to get a DNP. He might play. He might play some power forward next to Cantor and and the Blazers will figure it out from there. But if if Collins plays, you're squeezing Seth Curry, you're squeezing uh, probably Evan Turner, You're maybe you're squeezing Mo Harkless in that first half of the rotation, uh, because Lehman and, and Hood, Jake Lehman and Rodney Hood, have played more minutes since the addition of Rodney Hood. They've earned those minutes, and they've been playing them, so I think you're still going to see that there. I don't think the... Starting lineup changes now. I think Mo Harkless is still your starter. Uh, the other four starters are the Blazers' four best players, so they're not going anywhere. Uh, but Cantor's going to have some minutes carved out for him in the back half of their rotation. They promised him those minutes. They're not going to lie to him. They're certainly going to try to play him here. And I think the Nets is a team where you don't go too big. That's why I say I think Zach Collins will end up with the DMP because the Nets, they just don't play that many big guys. The back half of their roster is... Stretchy people who play, you know, Ronis Halls, Jefferson, Damari Carroll. Stretchier guys who play power forward even though they're not necessarily power forwards. Uh, Jared Dudley uh, says he's coming back. He started a bunch of games at power forward. He is not a true big. So the Nets options are all smaller, smallish guys. So I, I don't think the Blazers go too big. So I think they stay with sort of ro- that Rodney Hood playing four or Jake Lehman playing the four depending on how you want to call it off the bench. Obviously, uh, Alfaro Camino soaking up most of those minutes at power forward as a starter. So this one is important because I think we got to keep an eye on where Enes Kanter plays. I've kind of given you my idea that he gets those um, those shifts sort of maybe uh, nine minutes at a time, eight, ten minutes at a time at the middle of the first quarter and then into the middle of the second quarter and the middle of the third quarter into the middle of the fourth Um I don't think he's going to know a lot of the playbook. The Blazers did not have a practice on Tuesday, although they met up for the first time in Brooklyn. Uh, They will practice today, Wednesday. So I don't know if one practice and a shoot around on Tuesday morning is enough for Cantor to learn the playbook, but he understands how to play basketball. They can run some pick and rolls. He can go get offensive rebounds. He can do what he does. And the Blazers will at least be competitive. Um, Like I said, I think this, I think this, one is a basically a toss-up here in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm not someone who makes predictions, uh, but I will say that this seven-game trip will be really important for how we think about, how we feel about the Blazers when they finally get back home in two weeks. So... Uh, I'll talk to you after the Blazer game uh, and we will I'll get some immediate reactions to what the new Ennis Cantor lineup looks like um, and anything else that happens in that game. And then we'll preview the games ahead for the rest of the road trip. Like I said, Philly, Cleveland, Boston coming up before uh, they, the Blazers head to Canada and then close things out. Appreciate you guys listening. If you have any feedback or you just want to tell me that you love the pod or... You know, or dislike the pod, but try to be nice. I'm a sensitive. Hit me up at Mike G Rich on Twitter. Tell your friends about Locked On Blazers. Tell them to subscribe. Um, if you guys could do me a favor and put some reviews on iTunes, uh, I, all the reviews talk about Eric, the old host. This is me. This is my fourth episode as the new host. So get on iTunes or tell your friends to get on iTunes or don't. Um, but leave some reviews, preferably a five-star review, because like I said, I'm sensitive and I want you to tell me that you love me. Um, and, and like I said, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me, give me some feedback about the show. I want to make this your show. If there's questions you have, if there's things you want me to talk about, you can find me there. Try to get these regularly up. Um, and hopefully, uh, if you liked the last episode with Jason Quick, we will have more of those and uh, provide some uh, to do my full Winhurst impression, to provide some good content for the aggregators. Shout out to you guys as a former aggregator. I know the grind. Talk to you guys soon. Take it easy.